0: Welcome to Recovering Biblical Manhood. I'm your host, Paul Robbins.
1: And I'm your co host, Aaron McBride, and we will begin exploring the question what is biblical manhood?
0: War? What war? Am I a soldier? And how
1: am I supposed to be equipped for this battle? Men, these and many other questions will be explored and answered in our quest as we look at Biblical manhood from the Word of God. Rise up, man of God, and fulfill
0: your role in the kingdom.
1: Hello and welcome back to Recovering Biblical Manhood. I'm your host, Aaron McBride. And I'm your co-host, Paul Robbins. So last episode
0: we looked at how everything started with work that God was the creator of work and the very fact that his creative acts are the works of his hands. We also saw how that man being created in God's image gives us some of those attributes in a lesser way. So if everything started with work, where do we go
1: from here? Well, everything continues with work. Uh, You see, because everything started with work, God expects everything to continue with work by us, by people. What about the idea
0: that people have that us having to work
1: is a result of sin? So it's funny, you know, there's a lot of people, I've heard this over the years of people saying, well, the reason why we have to work today is because Adam and Eve sinned. They kind of get this picture that when Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden that um, maybe they just wandered around the garden looking at all the beauty and uh, eating whatever fruit they wanted and petting snakes and riding lions and (laughs) all sorts of weird pictures that people get, but that's just not reality. That's not what the Bible uh, has to show us when it comes to what Adam and Eve's purpose was in the garden. It wasn't that sin caused the result of work. It's that sin caused work to become harder because of the penalty of sin. So what does the Bible say about our work? So God gives Adam two tasks right after the creative work has been done. Uh, Remember, we saw that God had planted a special garden just for Adam and Eve. And so when we come to that garden, we see that God has given Adam work to do. In Genesis 2.15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. Um, Paul, maybe you can expound on what those two uh, little Phrases, dress it and keep it mean. As as I mentioned
0: before, we just bought a house that has an orchard. And I'm actually learning what dressing and keeping means. It means to prune. That's the dressing. And the pruning helps keep a a plant vital Mm. and strong and healthy. Yeah. Removes the dead growth gives it the opportunity to put its energy into the live and and vital branches rather than trying to save those branches that are doing poorly. Right. And to keep is to maintain. So there's the work of dressing, but but once it's dressed, if you just let it go, then again, it's going to return to that state that... You see anytime you go out into uh, a field that is not farmed, yeah, uh, you see weeds, you see good grasses, you see stones and and maybe you see some gopher holes or or other things like that. That is not a maintained portion of ground. Yeah. It has returned to completely wild. And not its best
1: state. So, would you say dress it is more uh, the preparation and then uh, keeping it is the uh, maintaining of it? Yes. Okay, very good. Exactly. You mentioned that God gave Adam two
0: tasks to work.
1: What was the other work God gave Adam to do? So, Adam wasn't just given the task of maintaining the garden. Uh, He was also given the task to name all the animals. Um, This would take work and imagination. It's that same creative mind that was given to man that was an attribute of God and his creation. When when you think about the imagination it took for God to create uh, the heavens and the earth and everything that we have, and to even create the animals, God is saying, hey, Adam, I want you to use the imagination that I've given you, those attributes that I've given you, to name the animals in Genesis two nineteen and twenty, and it says, "Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him." Uh, So we see another important thing in this passage, don't we? Adam was missing something.
0: Yeah, all the animals had partners, but
1: Adam didn't have a partner. There was no companion. Yeah. You know, I think that maybe uh, God did this on purpose. I always uh, imagine when I come to this um, passage of Scripture that Adam probably isn't much different than we men are today. I think that uh, he probably uh, was uh, stubborn, uh, probably had in his head, I don't need anybody. I could do all this on my own. And so I believe that God started Adam out with doing all this hard work to help him realize that he needed help, and God indeed would send help to him. Eve was
0: created to help Adam work. hmm God knew that Adam could not do the work he was given on his own. So God created Eve to help him for them to work together as one flesh. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And in Genesis chapter 2 verses 23 and 24, It says, And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Hmm. So apparently he's still naming. Yeah. <laughs> because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Hmm. We were created not only to worship God, but we were also created
1: to work for God and for our families. And I know that we will expand on this a little bit later, but it always strikes me in this passage of Scripture that God already at the very beginning of time has set the precedence of what he expects in marriage. uh, When it says that, Uh, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. There was no father and mother at this point in time because God was the only father. He was the creator. There's no father and mother, but he's setting the precedent for Adam and Eve for all mankind, what he expects in marriage, that we are to leave our father and mother, that we're to cleave unto our spouse, and they shall be one flesh. It's this oneness that God desired between Adam and Eve, and we know that that sin destroyed that oneness. And we come to this though, and we look, and like you said, a lot of times people look at creation and they say, well, God created man because he wanted somebody to worship him. The The reality is, is God didn't need anybody to worship him because God is three in one. God is complete. Yeah. And so the son and the, The Holy Spirit could worship God and God could worship them because they had everything that they needed in the Godhead. Um, There was no need for them to feel love because they had the perfect picture of love. There was no need for them to be worshipped because they had the perfect picture of worship within their own being. But God is also a God who enjoys creating things and... He looks at his creation and says, I want to create so that others can experience my love and see my glory and know who I am and, and know that I love them. Uh, it's just a, a, a mind baffling thing. So, so God is not creating us just so
0: that we can worship him so that we can tell him how great he is.
1: Right god wants a relationship with us absolutely absolutely and so we see that god didn't just create us to worship but also to work and in that work is some of that relationship right when we look at our families um and we're working what is the purpose of our work well to provide if we're not providing for our family what happens the relationship breaks down yes it does and so God created us to worship him, but also to work for him. Why? So that we could learn to have that relationship with God. And he also created us to work to provide for the family. And what's amazing here is if, if we look back at what we were kind of saying, Eve was created to help Adam work. We weren't meant to live life on our own. Adam wasn't meant to be by himself. He was meant to be a co-ruler with his wife, Eve. I'm hoping in the future uh, that maybe we can um, interview uh, a husband and wife team um, that understands this idea of that co-rulership when it comes to uh, work or when it comes to ministry. Um, But really, it's not just about the work. We're to have a co-rulership together in our families In everything that we do, we're to have a oneness with our wife where we are working together for the glory of God. It's also a fascinating thought that God actually created us to work for Him in our families because He expects us to worship Him and bring Him glory in everything that we do. This should have a huge impact on how people view their work because that means that work is a form of worship. So is there a specific type of work that God desires from us? So we're going to dive into that a little bit more with our next episode uh, when we look at um, what is God's highest calling for our lives. But for now, I want to expand on some of the things that we talked about in one of the earlier episodes. Um, First of all, God's desire is to prosper our work. While God created earth perfectly, he also created it with leaving a blank slate for people to become innovative and to use their creative minds that he gave to them to use creation to bring God glory. Genesis 1.28 And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, there's another word in here. Uh, We saw that word dominion, which we we talked about that word in the past, but there's another word in here that maybe people don't uh, completely understand. Um, Can you give us a definition of what that word subdue means? Subdue is to master or tame or conquer, to create,
0: discover, And put your energies into something
1: to make it greater or more complete. Hmm. This is pretty amazing when we think about the creation of God. I believe that God gave us a complete creation, but he also intended his creation to be made greater. And he put Adam and Eve in that place to use what he had created to make it greater. Uh, it's such a mind-blowing thought that God told us that our job was to see the earth prosper, to see all of creation to be multiplied and fruitful, and to see the earth filled with the blessings of God's creative work, and to make it an even greater work than what God had created. God gave this work to us, to, to humans, to Um, We're not going to rehash everything that the word dominion and stewardship means, but we need to understand that God put the care of his creation in our
0: hands. God has always intended man to wisely use the resources of this world to work and create things. The word that scripture used, subdue, indicates that while God made everything good, He left it with untapped potential for cultivation that people would unlock with their work. So that with their hands, with their minds, with their eyesight, they could take a field that is just grass Mm -hmm. and by having stewardship of that grass, by having dominion, They can improve that grass so that it is healthier, Hmm. healthier for the ground, healthier for the animals that are going to eat it, more productive. They're not recreating the grass. They are improving the grass that God created. Not because God couldn't create better grass, but because this is what God's, direction for man has always been.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so work is not a dirty word that so many people think it is. Uh, this is the purpose that God has given us. It, it reminds me of a quote I read in a book. Um, the book is called Work Matters by Tom Nelson, and, and I'll encourage you, uh, men, pastors, whoever, um, get a hold of that book and read it. It will transform the way that you look at work. But the quote that was given there is, the reality is this. Without meaningful work, people lose a sense of significance and feel lost. So with that quote in mind,
0: how does that fit with the work that God gave Adam and
1: Eve to do from the very beginning? So this principle isn't just good for the work given to Adam and Eve, but it's good for the work that God has given you today, has given our listeners today, has given me today. That our work has significance. That our work has a purpose. And if we can grasp a hold of that, we will understand that our work is a form of worship to God. He has called us to use our hands. Whatever we do, do it for the glory of God. When it comes to the initial work that God gave to mankind, we have to understand the reason that we have been given charge over God's creation is because of us being made in the image of God. Um, We are the only part of creation created that way. And because of that, God has given us care over his created order. God has called us to have creativity and responsibility over the resources that he's given us even today. This wasn't just a, oh, I gave this to Adam. He still expects us to be resourceful with the things that he's given us today. And so why do you think um, it's important to treat creation with value with this in mind? Because to
0: God, nature has value and should be taken care of. Though nature is not equated with humanity, it is nevertheless important. For the believer, nature has real value. It is the realm in which God has placed humanity over. The command in Genesis to have rule over nature makes humanity responsible for the proper upkeep of God's creation. Now we see when there's lightning, That fires get started. Yeah. And sometimes what happens is fire is needed for some seeds to fall. Yeah. And then germinate. Right. But also there is an opportunity for man to go in and take other seedlings and continue and improve the work that nature is already doing. Yeah. Through God's creation. Yeah. So we can have the opportunity to preserve what God has created when something that we might see as unfortunate happens. Yeah. Now we have seen also that if we let nature just go and do its own thing, the fire that the lightning starts becomes far worse because we haven't done our job. Yeah. And it spreads from what would have been a small area yeah. to a huge destructive disaster, for, for lack of other terms. Right. Where huge numbers of animals are killed and displaced. Right. And the, the topsoil is washed away because there's nothing to hold it there. Yeah. Whereas if we go and we do our our dressing if we do our pruning and our maintenance of nature those fires are far less destructive yeah and then those fires are actually
1: healthy right yeah i know we we saw not too long ago a few years ago all the fires that were sweeping through uh california And even we were affected over here in Fallon with all the smoke and things that were going on. Yes, we were. But I think about the ranches and the houses and all those other things that were also destroyed because um, proper deforestation or um, proper um, cutting of the underbrush was not done. And so, yes, you know, it's so important for us to keep God's creation and to do things right with it. I mean, there's also the opposite of where we can abuse God's creation. And um, misuse it. Yes. Uh, you, examples of as the United States expanded out west, uh, they would just slaughter the buffalo for for no reason and not even use them. Uh, that's a that's a misuse of God's creation. Yes, it is. Um, it's so important for us to understand, though, that that God cares about His creation, and there's a reason why He cares about His creation. It's important to understand this because of nature didn't have value to God, then God would not have told us that all creation points to him. In Romans uh, 1, 18 through 20, it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth through unrighteousness. So, so first of all, um, those that think that God is an unfair God or an unloving God, he said, look, I, I've already revealed to you what my wrath is going to be against unrighteousness and I've given you a solution for it. Uh, Because we continue, it says, For what may be known about God is clear to them since God has shown it to them. The invisible things about him, his eternal power and deity, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world and are understood by the things that are made so that they are without excuse. So God's very clear. He he says, I've already shown you who I am, and I've already told you that there will be judgment for sin and judgment on your life if you're living on unrighteousness, but I haven't left you without a knowledge that I'm here, that you can know me. He's done that in a a twofold way. Number one, he said that what may be known about God is clear to them since God has shown it to them. All people know that God is real. He has put that in our hearts. He has shown us the reality of him. Just because there's people who deny God doesn't mean that they know that there is a God. And then on top of that, he says, and I've also shown you through creation, through my creative work, there's no way that you can look around all this world. I love watching nature documentaries, uh, especially uh, Planet Earth is one of my favorites. And um, and when I watch those and see all the creative work that God has done, there is no way that you could look at nature, that you could look at a sunset and say, oh, this just happened by accident. You know that there has to be someone who had their creative hand in everything that was made. So God has given us a big
0: task. Just as he he made all of creation to bring him glory, he expects everything that we do To bring him glory. From the caring of our family, the use of nature and its resources, and the very jobs he has given us to work, our employment.
1: Hmm. So we're going to end our episode here today. And hopefully you'll just chew on that, that the work that God has given you is to bring glory to God. And you might be sitting in a job where you're like, I can't stand this job. I can't stand to be around these people. I can't stand the people who are overseeing me. I can't stand this. If you are a man of God or a woman of God, understand that God has put you in the place that you're at to bring him glory. And that if God has put you there, your attitude ought to reflect your desire to worship God. So we're going to end there today. But I hope that you're going to join us next week as we look at what the highest calling is for every person's life. Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram or
0: Facebook at Recovering Biblical Manhood. Or shoot us any comments, questions, or requests at Manhood at gmail.com. Thanks and God bless.